I'm Rob. I'm E. And I'm Tim. Welcome to the next movement. A teenage love. school crew a serious situation we all go through it deals with your feelings so hear what i say it's like a die when nothing seems to go your way boss this two people they really like each other he says there's no one else and she claims there is no other the feelings the same and you receive a notion to reveal your inner thoughts and deeply in emotions Timotep Oku, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you you being here. Most definitely. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, haven't really talked to a, a writer such as yourself so far on the show. Um, so pleased to have an opportunity to, to speak with you. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, it, it's interesting because I am a fan of the show. I do listen to the show. And I think even though, you know, you guys maybe wouldn't consider yourselves writers, I don't know, but like you definitely have a journalistic approach mm. To, mm. to the interviews that I much appreciate. So, yeah. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't know if I'd consider us journalists, but uh, we're having a good time and that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, naturally, we have a lot uh, that we'd like to talk to you about tonight, but want to start just by asking you a little bit about your sort of your story, your trajectory. Um, wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into writing and how you ended up writing about music. Um, writing and writing about music. So I think for me, writing about music and making a career that's kind of based on that starts with me just being a huge fan of music and a person who is very much into the written word and into description appreciation and like contextualization so like ever since i was like a little kid i was definitely the kid who was very much into books and using his imagination to paint pictures um into words from there um i'm into hip-hop hip-hop is the most verbally lyrically dense form of music out there right so not only am i into like the fashion and the dances and the sounds. I'm also into the use of vocabulary. Um, I'm also into the storytelling, like Slick Rick was like my first favorite rapper. I remember hearing songs like Teenage Love and being affected by it, even though I was like a little ass kid <laughs> being like, damn, don't hurt him again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or like hearing like you know children's story even like um hey young world to me was like my favorite song for like a lot of my youth so mm -hmm. um the intersection of my fandom and me talking about music and writing about music kind of came when I was in college I went to Hunter College in uh, New York City um I was an avid fan of magazines I'm reading the source I'm reading uh, what else was out then? Like the source was out, rap pages was out, double XL um was out. Um, and then there were a ton of like independent publications like subculture. There were things like rap sheet, which was literally like a broadsheet 
newspaper stock, you know, folded up together thing. Um, there was this free publication called One Nut. <laughs> um, that like I would go to different record stores to buy vinyl or get CDs, like um, not just like a fat beats, but definitely like Beach Street Records in Brooklyn, and they would have stuff like that, Ego Trip. Um, a lot of people don't know Ego Trip was like a free publication at first. And so when I got to school, um, I noticed that one of the names um in the masthead of that one nut publication. And another name that was in um, the masthead of Ego Trip, like they both contributed to a, a publication at my school at Hunter. And it was um it was a publication called Shield. It was meant for um, you know, students of African descent. And you know, every now and then they'd have a little bit of like music criticism in there. And I was like, all right, boom, I know y'all are already on. Let me talk to you, let me try to do some reviews to y'all, let me do some interviews, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, things kind of started from there. Um, shout out to Cleon Alert, who is the person who was from One Nut, who was the editor of Shields. Um, and then also Chris X was one of the early people who was friends with Cleon, who's like a pretty legendary hip hop writer, um, who kind of showed me the ropes and kind of like gave me a lot of advice about how to pitch people and how to get into publications. So um, from there, from like working at the Shields, I wrote for... Um, a publication called uh, Russell Simmons One World when he used to have an actual magazine. Hmm. I wrote for Mass Appeal um, in its first iteration. Um, and then from there, I just like cold called, like, I think it was Vanessa Satin or it was Vanessa Satin at XXL, who was like an associate editor, pitched her a story. And then from there, I started freelancing. Hmm. So like, that's the hmm. very beginning of me getting into the stuff, which is like, this is the era of no blogs. <laughs> this is the era of, you know, you're popping if you have a two-way pager, right? <laughs> um, it's the era of like people really being accustomed to email. Um, and it's an era that was good for me in that the cold call actually work. The cold email, somebody might rock with you off of that. Yeah. And that's how I started. I was really interested how that worked, how you got sort of commissioned to write for a particular medium. And it sounds like you just had to sort of hustle your way into places. Definitely. Like it's, it, it was a game of um, identifying the people who were editors and, you know, people with the signing power on the massheads, mm -hmm. uh, gathering clips. So every place that you wrote for, you would get the actual publication, make a photocopy of it. Um, you know, if you're advanced, make a PDF and then, you know, send it to these editors for them to review your work um, and then hope they would take a chance on you. You know, mm -hmm. I think the landscapes changed a lot right now. I think one of the most, I think one of the most frequent ways people kind of get on right now is like writing for like, um, maybe you write for like an indie blog, like maybe you write for a passion of whites or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. mm. Or you write for like a local paper or a local a paper site or something like that. Um, and then you buttress that with a Twitter presence. Like, you know, Twitter doesn't like, like keep it real, like Twitter doesn't have the most like active users on it in comparison to Facebook, but it does have an outsized influence on the media landscape. Right. You know, because that's where media types gather to talk and quip and joke. And I think often I've seen people, you know, 
include themselves in conversations that they weren't necessarily invited to, which can be, which can be, you know, for better or worse. In the better case, that ends up you starting a relationship with somebody who has either, you know, shares the same kind of uh, taste you have, or a person mm-hmm. who says some interesting things, or a person that you can build a relationship from there, and then that becomes something um, that will make somebody say, all right, let me take a chance on assigning something to this kid whose perspective I think is good, who's funny online, who listens to the type of music that's on the radar. You know, like when I was at Pitchfork, one of the people we hired um, was Alphonse uh, Pierre, right? And Alphonse is like the main hip hop writer at, at Pitchfork right now. And one of the reasons we hired him is because he had a really good online presence. Like he knew his music. He had written in certain a couple places as a freelancer, um, I think he was on track to do some like finance stuff because he was like still in school and college or whatever. And we were like, all right, you're funny. You run written some stuff here and, and there. Maybe if we put you into this system, we can develop you as a writer to be, you know, that type of voice. Because you already have the voice. You might just need the refinement, you know. And I think I wish there were more formal ways of that happening for hip hop writers now. Um, yeah. And it wasn't such a like kind of luck of the draw thing, but yeah, that that's 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 how I think people kind of get on today versus back then. It's like they're aware of your presence, kind of online. Twitter kind of solidifies it. They get a you get an understanding of your perspective, and then they take a chance of you. Hopefully, when you uh, started writing about music, you started writing about hip hop. Did it change your relationship with it at all? I'd say definitely. I think for me starting to write about rap and hip hop came from a place of passion and perspective about what I knew getting into the actual profession of writing about the music helped me broaden my horizons about the culture, the music and what my purpose was hmm. as a journalist. Right. Cause like writing about culture art, all that other shit is like, can be very fucking egotistical to put it really bluntly. Right. I think, I think, that's the impetus for a lot of people is that they want their perspective to be heard right Mm -hmm. at least that's part of it but i think what separates those folks from people who i appreciate the most is that they move beyond just wanting to get their own perspective out to being a steward of what the expression is and what the culture is and saying all right i want to contextualize this for people I want people to understand this. And if I play a role in this, um, it's that I'm the intermediary who appreciates something about whatever this subject is. And I want to help people see that, right? It becomes less of an uh, egotistical, ego-driven thing and more of a thing about sharing, <laughs> about communion, about communication, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the ways I've changed. And I think definitely my tastes have changed too. Like. I grew up in an era where in my very young youth, hip hop was literally all diversity, you know, and everybody knew each other and was cool with each other and it was fine, right? <laughs> like, you know, um, PE and, you know, Ice Cube are cool, even though people would categorize them as conscious and gangster and all sort of shit, right? Or like you have something like Digital Underground who doesn't fit in any of those like you know, kind of categories. Now, as hip hop got more successful and became more of a thing that was marketed, the dichotomies in hip hop get exploited. 
because more of the hip hop gets categorized as product, right? So it's like if you're if you're conscious, you buy this. If you're jiggy, you buy this. <laughs> and I went from being this kid who was into all this stuff into kind of like a more narrow appreciation, or at least appreciation where I had to be like. Yeah, I can't really tell my underground New Yorkian poets cafe friends that I really fuck with this Locks album or whatever, <laughs> you know, or like, or I like, I can't tell my friends in my high school that like, um, yo, I fuck with Company Flow, you know what I'm saying? Because we're in the midst of Brooklyn and Fort Greene and like, what the fuck is that? You feel me? <laughs> so, um, you know, I think coming into actually writing, I had maybe a more narrow view of what I was into. But then I started to realize through talking to artists, um, being in different parts of the country, uh, experiencing different types of hip hop and the utility of that hip hop for the people who consumed it, I realized that hip hop is more about essence than it is form. Mm. Meaning that it's not about this specific genre is the best genre and your drums have to sound like this for it to be good and blah, 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 fuck all that. I think, this puts me in a doghouse with a lot of purists, you know, in quotation marks. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a person who's done underground New York style radio in the tradition of Stretch and Bobbito. Um, actually, Bobbito like passed down a show slot to me and my friend um, when I was really young. Um, but I say all that to say, like, you know, purists will be not so happy with me because my perspective is that shit doesn't need to sound like 91 through 94 in New York or Philly or Jersey for it to be dope, right? It's not about the form, it's about the essence. Like I fuck mm -hmm. with, like I was an early outcast adopter. Like Southern Playlistic was my shit, but I couldn't talk to a lot of people about it because you weren't supposed to like that. You feel me? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I'd say ultimately like, being an active participant in hip hop and really having to think about what I'm listening to, how it represents the lives of the people who make it, um, how it represents the lives of the people who consume it broaden my horizons. Hmm. That's so interesting that you're talking about that because I caught an interview that you did with Sid and Matt Martians on NPR mm -hmm. and Matt Martians was talking about that more or less. He was saying about talking about his relationship with music in general and how it's changed over the years. And, and as he's gotten older, he's become more empathetic to music and its place versus just dissing it. Um, and that really resonated with me because I've tried to do that too. And I think it's, it is about growth and, and recognizing, like you're saying, like sort of, sort of analyzing all the elements of a project versus saying, well, this doesn't sound great, but analyzing who made it, you know, why they made it, what it represents and in terms of community. And so I, I think that's really important. Yep. It's, it's like, who's it for, right? Like, right. And I think there is a hubris that comes with cultural criticism where the writer or the critic will assume that the shit is for them, or at least they think that their personal standard is the standard above all. And I'm like, you got to get off that bullshit, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's mm -hmm. some bullshit, right? Because mm -hmm. like, what'll set you straight is is being in the environments in which the music is appreciated and being around those folks and seeing what role it plays in their lives in their communities etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, also once you kind of look at the context in which it exists like what music came before it who it's what the influences were on it right and the influences i don't just mean like 
the musical influences. I mean, like, what the fuck is happening physically in the community that makes the thing the thing? Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I think unless you really are trying to grapple with that, you're not in a position to necessarily just shit on stuff. I remember, like, one of the, the like the, the review I'm the most embarrassed about, and you'll never find it, um, it was a review in, like, The Shields, and I thought the thing to do was to be, like, you know, an asshole, and I reviewed True. Do you, you ever heard of True? The Real Untouchables? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, masterpiece shit. And yes, like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the way I went in on that record <laughs> oh. is crazy. And it's like, it's like you know, I have, I have really good friends who are, like, from New Orleans and stuff like that, and that has a special place in their heart. They will admit mm-hmm. Silk is not the best rapper in the world. Let's keep it funky, right? <laughs> Master mm-hmm. P also not the best rapper in the world, right? But it's about way more than that when you hear the songs in that record. And I think yep. um, that's a, a thing that, that, that's the kind of wisdom that comes with age is to understand the context and things which exist um, as a means of understanding what it's for and how good it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Man, I so appreciate that. I have honestly stopped reading reviews a lot of the time fam we don't like the same (laughs) (laughs) i hate to say that no disrespect to any of my people who put in the hard work whatever but and not to cut you off but like i do feel like sometimes music reviews especially as it pertains to hip-hop end up kind of being formulaic and caricatures of what they they you know they are i think yeah a lot of I don't know. It's weird, man. Like there was definitely like a vacuum in voices talking about hip hop that were close to like the, the communities in which the stuff arose. Um, as we started to see hip hop get bigger and bigger and become a bigger business and, you know, the mismanagement of the source and all that other stuff, you see a decline, right? Like there's a certain type of person who's talking about the music and there's a certain type of person who starts to talk, talk about the music um, from a distance, yeah. right? Like, and I don't necessarily think it's um, oh a, a white people, black people thing at all necessarily. Because like, I respect Jonathan Schechter, um, who was one of the co-founders of the Source, and I think his opinion on hip hop is, is 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 sharp and great. Even fucking Dave Mays, whatever people want to say about him, and there's a lot that can be said about him. I do feel like these are people who came from a passion and immersion in the culture. Mm-hmm. rather yeah. than like looking down their nose at hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. there was a transition into like motherfuckers like looking down their nose at hip hop and kind of looking at it like voyeuristically and their appraisal as irreverent as a, and you know, funny as it might be sometimes or whatever became a standard. And then there was like a, a, a class of hip hop reviewers who kind of emulated that, you know? Um, and I think ultimately it does the art a disservice. Yes, Damn, I tried. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, <laughs> that's you, that's real though. You articulated that way more completely than I could have, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, what you're saying about context. When I read reviews, that's often what I'm looking for. Like, tell yeah. me, tell me the context about this record, and yeah. it's sometimes hard to find, which is why uh, I've kind of just stopped. Like, it's it's kind of rare for me to sit down and just read reviews. Man, I don't know. I like to read like I like to I like to collect records. I have a record collection that's kind of the bane of my existence every time I move. But 
you know, you get a dope jazz record from back in the days and you see the insert and how they write about it yeah. and shit like oh, that. Yeah. I'm like, damn, like they really put you in the setting where you understand where the artist is coming from, what they're trying to oh, communicate absolutely. and what the fucking world is like when the thing is being made. I'm like, yes, I would mm-hmm. love for us to to kind of try that a bit more with, you know, how we appraise and talk about hip hop, this very dominant form of culture right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't read reviews because I don't want it to spoil my experience. Mm. Like my experience with a particular project is my experience. Mm-hmm. And and so at that point, no, no matter what anybody else says, it, it just doesn't matter to me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Like, so it just, I, I don't know. I think that can sometimes, it used to sometimes influence how I thought about a project. So I just was like, let me stop doing this. I'm going to have my own experience with it. And sometimes you have to be patient with hip hop. And I think that's yeah. part of growing and, in music and yeah, appreciation. Being patient is very difficult in the times that we live in. Mm-hmm. Oof, yeah. You feel me? Like I saw a bunch of reviews come out for the Kendrick album and I'm like, I feel y'all, I know it's people's job. This is the other thing you gotta understand when you're on the side of the publisher of the media, right? It's like, yo, who's the first to the plate with the review for the thing that everybody wants to know about? Cause we gotta get that traffic. Now, that to me is a function of for real it's capitalism is like you need it now so you get the click so you make the money right mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you rank in the seo now in a perfect world i feel like you should have time to digest something like that and really process it because like that's not a fucking record i could really speak to authoritatively or insightfully off of one listen yep. mm. maybe off of 10 listens you feel me like mm-hmm. i have thoughts about it right yeah but like to be able to i'm sure there are people who can but like I, for me i'm like nah and also i feel like with the volume of music coming out right now it's difficult to really appreciate shit you know like you gotta you gotta like make a mental note to go back to something that was dope from b- at the beginning of the year like saba's record mm-hmm. it's in the saba's record i was like yo mm-hmm. yeah fucking the the musicality the depth like how he's in this is an ill ass record but then so much passes i have to like literally make notes where i'm like i'm going back to this <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's so hard <laughs> we do a um into your show and we talk about our favorite projects and i just feel like i'm cramming so yeah. so much for those episodes because it's like you consume so much but you have to go back even when you have favorite projects over the year and and really dig in because i feel like you find something new every single time Yep, mm-hmm. yep, and and that's the thing. It's like, yo, these people be putting years into these albums, right? The fucking detail of the sonics is a thing, like the, how they write the lyrics, how they all this stuff. And I feel like sometimes, as a critic, sometimes we do the music and the people a disservice. Not in every time, like you know, Certified Lover Boy is what it is, right? <laughs> but <laughs> like sometimes we do them a disservice when we don't kind of like give a thing its proper amount of you know time to gestate and for us to kind of think about and then address and talk about the different things that happen you know yeah. even sometimes like i really feel like i'm I'm on the fence about number scores and you know or mics or stars or whatever the fuck you want to yeah. do on a record because yeah. like it's reductive this is the this is the challenge i put out there for anybody who's a music critic talk about the thing without reducing the thing mm. Mm. And I, I think that's not what a lot of people aspire to do because it's, it's 
easier to reduce it but i think the best stuff i check out or i've read is stuff that doesn't reduce the thing I was that the guys had shield. Stop lights, clean the windshield. Fiends would do it free for a field. Had the same friends since I was lil. Used to hoop Poppy and Jaleel. Spooky bent the block, drop the tape. Talk to Walt and watch the fly away. Multiply my problems by the day. My side chillin' with a fake foe. Back it up, I can let the bitch know. I'ma get it bowin' like a metro. Me, I'm getting to it, I'm metro. Blood of me, the vessel, I'ma tell him to be careful. Cause a copper wanna kill him in the family in the ghetto. From the bottom of the barrel, I'ma run it like a friend. Nigga, this is for the peasants. We'll be wearing the best off. I actually wanted to ask about your residency at NTS Radio. Yep. Um, how did this come about? So that came about when I had launched Levels, which was the hip hop vertical for um, Pitchfork. Um, I think one of the, a couple of the folks from NTS were already aware of me because um, I do a playlist called Rap Caveat. Rap is spelled with a W, so W-R-A-P, Caveat. Um, and I think they were like, you know, we like your perspective and we like your taste. Would you like to do a show for us? Uh, I came to them and I was like, I'd love to do a show, but it's not going to be strictly hip hop. They were like, I don't give a fuck. Do what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so like what the, 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 the show became was a show about continuity and connections in Black music and thought and feeling and being. And that's a really, really broad thing on purpose because it becomes a space in which I can play Max Roach and I can play Gucci Mane and I can play Gene Gray and I can have, you know, Abby Lincoln in there, right? And I can have Kwame Ture giving a speech and I can have, you know, um, Nikki Giovanni doing a poem. Um, so the show, each episode is thematic. It's usually about like how I'm feeling at the time, what I'm processing emotionally, what I'm processing in terms of information, what I'm seeing out in the world and me committing to a creative act to express that through songs, through other people's mm. art and words and sounds really. Mm. So that's how the show came about. That's dope. I haven't listen too much i'd kind of dip my toe in but what i have heard i actually really appreciate the the ventures outside of hip-hop a little bit the the spoken word poems and stuff that you that you insert that kind of keep the thread of the theme going throughout it's a good listen yeah yeah you know what it is it's like one thing i learned from cultural criticism observation and just studying culture is that mad shit is connected right mm -hmm. and i think what people often don't do is show the through lines in the thought mm. you know like a sample can show you that like the way a sample has a life like where it starts is one idea and then 
three generations use it in different ways for instance like i think about like think about like um the lotto song big dick energy right and think about that genius of love sample and think about like how in 19 like 83 andre uh harrell you know jekyll and hyde has sampled that for a joint and then um x clan is sampled it and then mariah carey samples it or whatever and just think about like yo like that's how ideas become infinite they become infinite because they're shared throughout space and time mm. and referred back to constantly. Mm. That's one of the things I think is the illest shit about music is like, you can have a musical phrase or an idea and that shit will never die. It'll live longer than the people who created it because it'll always influence someone who influences someone else. Mm. Powerful. You had a question for us? Um, I wanted to mention something. So like we were talking earlier about like staying up on shit, like on the music that we like. And I think for me, I do that playlist rap caveat for a couple of different reasons. One, I do it so that I can constantly keep abreast of all of the dope shit that's coming out that I like. Mm. And then two, like it's intentionally very diverse in terms of genres because it helps me ex- keep my keep my tastes broad. You know, I think mm. a lot of like older folks and just like people who, I don't know, you get into adult, I only see older folks. I think motherfuckers hit like 25 and they'd be like, I'm locked into this. This is the only shit I like, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's my way of resisting kind of tunnel vision because I'm constantly seeking what's new and what's next to the point that in my circle of friends, like I'm the person people always come to to be like, yo, what's this? Or I heard this is starting to pop or whatever, or what's this? And I think there's something that almost any type of fan of hip hop could like on that playlist, right? So it's like, mm. you know, a hundred to maybe when I'm going crazy, 120 songs, <laughs> all songs that have been released in the past, like 60 days or less, usually mm. like within the last month or whatever, um, across across genres and I think it's a dope exercise and it's something that I think is necessary at a time when the perspective on hip-hop even at platforms and even at like you know media is very narrow and it doesn't give the proper light to like the vast diverse myriad styles of hip-hop that are out right now Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. just wanted to mention Mm -hmm. that yeah uh question you got x rob I want to talk about Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you, I want to talk about specifically, I sent a tweet to E, one of your tweets to E earlier this Mm. week. Mm. Kind of just like, uh, we made the right choice. And (laughs) and asking Tim to come on the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. You were responding to West Side Gun. Mm -hmm. I think his tweet was simply pray for Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, after the, the shooting there. And you really, you were really blunt with him about Hitler wears Hermes series and how serious that is, which mm-hmm. I really appreciated. And I know he appreciated something that I don't know if we've talked openly on the show about, but to each other have often been like, what, what is he doing? Like, this is, this makes no sense. So in regard to that tweet, shout out West Side Gun, shout out um, his managers who are actually friends of mine. I've been around West Side Gun. Um, and I'm sure he thinks I'm a dickhead and fuck me and I'm lame, whatever. Um, but I don't care. Like the other shit about like 
where I'm at in my career, in my life is like, I'm not like, it's not live or die for me to know a rapper, right? Or be cool. With right. So like that shit is kind of rad for me. Um, so I can speak freely and I can speak on principle. And I think the impetus behind Hitler wears Hermes was shock value, of course, right? And I think, you know, Westside Gun is a master marketer, which means he's a person who's intent on grabbing people's attention. Um, and I think it benefited him and um, Griselda to a large extent. I think he's done a lot for underground hip hop, street rap, New York rap, all that stuff. And I think that shit is dope. But I think the Hitler shit, like I said in, in the um, in a tweet, was always a dub. It was always some whack shit because the devil is a more abstract idea because, you know, he compares Hitler wears Hermes to devil wears Prada. Mm -hmm. Hitler is not an abstract idea. Right. Right. For anybody who wants to kind of dive into like the effects of of like Nazism and all that stuff, I would recommend. There's a lot of stuff I recommend, but I'd say I recommend the Raoul Pick Peck film, um, Exterminate All the Brutes. Um, mm -hmm. And I say that because it shows you with this over. It's like this. They have like a aerial shot of like I think it either it's Dachau or like Auschwitz, and you see all this land dedicated to death. Right. Mm -hmm. From a political perspective, a long time ago, I learned that, you know, people, people will reduce, um, to, you know, the Hitler thing. I've had people like, you're not Jewish. Why do you care? Which is fucking crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Though the toxic, violent white supremacy of Adolf Hitler is a thing that is present in this day. And it's a poison to the world, all of us, mm -hmm. period. I don't mean like just Jewish people, just Black people, just Romani people, all of us. Mm -hmm. I think that type of iconography is not, it's not something that can be taken out of context. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Like, and I'm, and I'm not Mr. Fucking, you know, virtue warrior or whatever, but I'm going to tell like, that shit can't be taken out of context. Hitler represents white supremacy and death. Right. It's a dub to rep that and not denounce that. Um, yeah. And I think what happened in Buffalo is a literal example of how prevalent Nazi like thinking, white supremacist thinking and violence are in our world currently to this day. And that to me is a testament to the fact that Adolf Hitler is not something that can be recontextualized as cool. Yeah. <laughs> or like just mean or just shock value that's trivializing some shit that's way too real mm. yeah when i was in high school this kid in class i was in history class i'll never forget this shit as long as i live he said to our teacher the teacher was talking about hitler and he said to the teacher why do you always talk about the bad things that people do what about the good and my and the teacher looked at him and he was just like he did no good that's the point so the disconnect is astounding for me. And part of the problem, like you said, is that people are so in their bubble. Mm -hmm. And this this sort of concept of, well, it doesn't affect you, so watch you care. That's part of the fucking problem. Mm -hmm. And it's been the problem. And that's why we live in the world that we live in today. That's facts. Um, and, you know, things context. That's the word that keeps on coming up. Everything exists within context. Yeah. Even me, yeah. even you, you know, all of us. 
And I think people have to pay attention to the context in which things happen. And like, even when you read up on fucking Nazi Germany and shit like that, for any black people who think none of that's like related to us or whatever, yo, mm-hmm. Nazis were in part informed by Jim Crow and, you know, post reconstruction law in how they treated people and not just Jewish people, Jewish people, Romani people, queer people, whatever, in Nazi, you know, occupied Europe. So I'm like, nah, that shit stems from the same, the same shit that's anti you. And and I challenge anybody out there that defends that shit to be like, yo, why the fuck would you rep something that is anti you? Period. Mm-hmm. Any any why would you fuck with anybody or anything or any icon that its message is you deserve less or nothing or death? Mm-hmm. Fuck out of here. So I would tell <laughs> I would tell Gun Natch's face, it's all good. I think he, you know, he got some good songs or whatever. I like. You know, I'm glad, again, I'm glad what Griselda's doing what they do, but Hitler wears her meds. I don't fuck with that. Yeah. Me either. Appreciate that. Appreciate that perspective and uh, your willingness to speak openly about it. Most of Well, if context is the theme, then I think Dead Prez uh, might be the perfect spokespeople for us to look to tonight. I was trained to defend myself for my brain and my mental health. The white man got the wealth we held back. We're living in hell black. A nigga can sell crack, but that ain't gonna change this thing. If you gon' bang, then bang for change. Don't bang for crazy things. If not, don't bang. If you gon' ball, play the game how it should be played. Can you dribble a grenade to save your life? You paid the price, mama raised you right. Now how you ain't gon' fight for the white man laws? Hell no, for the cause because we gotta get what's ours. Gotta struggle for the motherfucker power. Cause we're living in the last few hours. It's 1159, I think it's about time. We get on the grind and get out the carbine. We're feeding my mind. We can see we can find them, we can spot them. Pop, pop, pop the pole nine. This is only a rhyme tonight. Don't get scared. Listen to the message in the word. Don't let your sight get blurred. You heard this righteous word. You might prefer it from a time out, time out. I didn't say bug out, ball out, bling out. All y'all sell out, get the hell out. This year is RBG, so bang on out. Uh, we people, army nigga, bang on out. Every episode, we ask our guests to choose a record that is, or, or album that is, uh, personal classic to them or meaning especially meaningful to them their work uh so tonight we're talking about dead prez we're talking about rbg revolutionary but gangster i have a sneaking suspicion that uh tim that you may have chosen let's get free if we hadn't already covered it am, am i right about that uh actually no oh okay <laughs> all right actually no um i i would have I would have chosen this album because I think uh, Let's Get Free may be the more iconic record, but I think this record to me is a better listen. Mm. And that might be controversial to some fans, but I, I can expound on why if you want me to. Yes, please. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of background, uh, Dead Prez, I think I met Dead Prez up at Bobito's radio show at Columbia when he invited them up. And it was the night that Amadou Diallo had gotten shot. And like, mm-hmm. they didn't know, cause, cause this is, uh, this is pre-internet, but they didn't know he had gotten shot. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we were talking about political organizing and all sort of stuff. So I met them. And from that point, I'm maybe like 19 to 20 years old or whatever. I think I was like maybe 20 and I've been hearing about them. I had always had an appetite for like uh pro-black rap, just cause I grew up in an era where pro-black rap was very central, you know, Ice Cube, Public Enemy, who I mentioned, even even you go on the side that's the less militant, like a um a tribe called Quest or Native Tongues, it's still pro-black, right? And so like 
you know, I thought this was something I'd be interested in. They had played Rocksteady um, and all this other stuff. I was like, what are they about? Long story short, I ended up um, organizing with them uh, in an organization they were part of called the National People's Democratic Uhuru Movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of uh, it's part of a, a larger Uhuru movement that is about you know self determination for people of African descent, and it's about African liberation globally, right? Which were ideas that were new to me. And what I really got from that organizing was a political education that took me past symbolism and got me to like what the material shit was. Like that was like my introduction to like socialism. That was my introduction to the idea of the Black Panthers is not just a bunch of people with cool leather jackets and guns and berets, but people who had a material impact on their community, right? So like I big up, dead prez for that because i think they were kind of propagandists that pulled people like me toward something that was more tangible concrete substantial right so going to this record right let's fast forward to 2004 i think this shit dropped 2004 2004 is a funny year because like um i'm like 19 no no i'm like not 19 I'm, i'm maybe i'm 23 in 2004 right so like i'm at complex I started off as an intern um, around the second issue that launched like, I think 2002. And I worked my way up to becoming like associate music editor. Um, One of the things I did was like a a column with Kanye West where he like talked about people's fashion and he would like link up and he would just make fun of pictures. Um, (laughs) But I always had it in my head. I'm like, you know, anytime I can get in some of the messaging from my organ my organizing days and whatever like let me try to put it in so like i get the events for this record and i'm kind of blown away at the departure from the sound of the the first record the first record is a blend of two types of styles of production they came out under lord jamar from brand nubian under his auspices he's a new yorker his shit is very sample based his shit is more for lack of a better term boom bap but the other production on there that came from Headrush, which was, I believe, Abu, Tahir, and Stick, was more inflected by the sounds of the South, right? Because those are Southern dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny that, you know, like people will try to like lump like that president with like so called backpack shit, but this sound is nothing like it. Like even the song hip hop is, is hip hop is famous for its low end. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? That's not some like sample based Pete Rock primo shit. They were on some like, we need Southern bounce, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what they come from. Revolutionary but gangster, which is primarily produced by Stick, who's a man from Florida, from Tallahassee, Florida, leans all the way into the bounce, right? As opposed to being on some shit where it's like we're trying to kind of compromise, it's like, nah, this is where we're at. We on some like we're dudes from this like stick is from the south, and then you know, M M is from New York. He lived in New York, but he has family in the Carolinas and he's been back and forth, right? And he met um, I want to say at at FAMU when I think stick didn't go there and and was there for like half a semester and shit like that whatever and they became running buddies so long story short 
the sound of this record is what really impresses me because I think sonically they put themselves in a category that was closer to the people and I say the people meaning like the masses rather than extricating themselves and being above them or to the side of them because remember at this time like what is considered boom bap and all this other stuff is kind of on the decline it's pushed further and further underground mm-hmm. it's not considered you know the sound of the masses right like cash money already took over for the 2000s at this point right so your shit better have some bounce right um twist is popping at this time so if you fucking rapping you might want to use a chopping style or have some triplets so people pay attention right and I think this RBG record is pretty concentrated dead prez in terms of who they are and what their influences are. I remember driving down to, to um, St. Petersburg, Florida with them in, in Petum and having tapes and, and playing shit. And they were playing like JT Money. And it was like, you don't fuck with JT Money, that's Jack and Terrace. You know, like this type of shit is what they're from. And I'm like, all right, this record, RBG, is a, a really direct expression of who they they, they are they, they're like they are dudes who are from the hood who listen to all the same shit and just happen to get the political education and then they apply it in a way that the layman or layperson could understand and get with so yeah that was my experience of the record as a whole i could get into more stuff but yeah yeah please do i guess i think i can listen to you talk about this all night <laughs> All right, so like, what a all right, boom. All right, so we talk about artists being categorized as conscious or street or gangster or whatever. And again, I think those are all very reductive ways to understand people. And I think by the time Dead Presidents come out, like conscious have become a stereotype unto itself, right? You know, um, as exemplified by certain rappers, right? And I think what they need what they understood is that they need to differentiate themselves from that because man a lot of conscious rappers will give social commentary and talk about things or the people who were labeled conscious rappers will talk about things but you try not to shit on them because i don't want to shit on people but like there is maybe missing an element of eye level conversation with the audience sometimes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like you know i i fuck with jay the damage and all that shit but some of his shit come off mad heavy-handed like he's like girl don't dress like that <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. um you know uh i fucked with uh some of quali stuff back then but you know i think you know his background is a bit different because you know, not not like he's like swimming in money and no shit like that, but like he's a person who like went to college, was from NYU, went to NYU and had educators as parents. So, you know, it's not to say like you have to be from abject poverty to be real or no shit like that, but it's like it's a different perspective, right? You know, even the most deaf, like, you know, where people would lump him into the conscious thing, but you know, where he he's a very artsy kind of dude or whatever. What differentiated uh what differentiated Dead Press for me was that these are for real two street dudes, right? Two dudes, regular street dudes and dudes who come from actual fucking poverty. And I think what's often left out of conversations about blackness in general and in black music specifically 
is the class element. You know, like a lot of people will talk about down for the cause and this and that and all this other shit. And people don't be talking about class and how that affects perspective and how you leap out on things, how you get with things. And what I got from Dead Prez is that their shit was supposed to be working class, you know, music for people from the bottom, for people from the bottom to connect to. It just so happened that, you know, the kids who took classes had and had the money to pay or whatever were not from the same environment, but that's what this shit is for. So, and listening to this record, I'm like, all right, boom, they got Crazy Bone on Walk Like a Warrior, which is one of my favorite songs on that, on that album, right? And they talking about all right, what it means to be not just I, I'm a gangster or I'm a soul or whatever, like I'm a warrior for my people, right? And then Crazy Bones verse, maybe the only Crazy Bone verse I know about, he's going to talk about going to war with the cops after, after somebody's been shot, an innocent person's been shot. That's some revolutionary shit. If you want to talk about shock value, people could fucking invoke Hitler and, you know, be like Tyler and be, you know, dropping F-bombs or whatever and his shit and all that. And people can be like, I'll be the most denigrating the women or whatever. And that's they shit for like being shocking in rap or like, you know, that's Eminem and all that shit, whatever. And that's whatever. That's they shit. What fucked with me on this, I was like, nah, they talking about like going to war with the cops. Motherfuckers is, is mad hard, but they would never say that. <laughs> right? right. I can think of like maybe a couple mm-hmm. people who like literally like I will shoot a cop <laughs> or I like I'm gonna make a song that's like we're gonna fire back at the cops. Of course, it's um I see in cop killer with body count, and that's a rock record. Don't get that fucked up. It's a rock record. Um, for my underground heads, you know about Ill Bill from nonfiction, who literally made a song called How to Kill a Cop, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a wild song. But I think the revolutionary aspect of it, the truly radical shit can only come from people who have been at the bottom and then ask the question, like, why the fuck is it like this? Mm. And I, I get that from this record in a whole bunch of different places. Like literally the song I have a dream to is a play on, you know, obviously the pacifism of um, Martin Luther King and you know how people trot him out all the time and shit like that. And you never talk about him talking about workers' rights and the sanitation workers strike and shit like that. But they want to talk about the I have a dream speech. Their song I have a dream too is like literally like, all right, we want some drive-by gangster shit, but we doing this at the cops. I'm like, I never really heard no shit like that. Back seat of the lap, big gat in my lap, ready for combat, feeling like Geronimo Pratt. We had the windows cracked. Headed up to the strip, black rag in my hand, don't want no prints on the clip. Hollow tips, cause we thorough with this shit, my nigga. This ain't no game, we bang for you, who my nigga? I take a left with the light, turn off the headlights and ride real slow. Now holla at me when you see the 5 go, Alright, dirty, y'all boys ready? We bout to turn drive-bys revolutionary. Yeah, motherfucker, yeah! Yeah, motherfucker, yeah! Look at them run, too scared to pull their guns. Out of shape from them coffees and them cinnamon buns. This shit is fun, how I feel when the tables is turned. Hollow tips hit your flesh, through your vest and it burn. That's the lesson you learn, coming straight from the slums. And it don't stop till we get full freedom. Let me see what other songs I'm thinking of. Like, W4 is another one of my favorite songs, mm-hmm. of, right? Literally a song about labor exploitation, wealth, right? And I think post-2020, Right. And all that we've seen and it's been revealed from the pandemic, from, um, you know, the protest 
around Breonna Taylor's murder and around George Floyd's murder and around the murder of countless, you know, black people by the state. I think there's a new consciousness that we have or should have awareness that we should have that like, yo, wait, shit is, shit is fucked up and it's been fucked up and it's against us. And we need to be questioning, does it need to be like this? And how do we strike back against it? And I think this record to me, it, it feels prescient, but I know that's not the word. Cause it's not, it's not that it's prescient. It's that the shit is always going down. It's just that people ain't always talking about it. Right. Because like the other day was the anniversary of Sean Bell being murdered by the police in New York. Right. The fucking, you know, this past weekend, we have the Buffalo, you know, a white supremacist murders people. Right. All these things are going on, but like very few people can have a really good analysis of it, of what's going down and why these systems interplay the systems of white supremacy, systems of the carceral state, systems of capitalism, systems of late systems of labor exploitation, how they interplay to create the circumstances we live in. And I think this record, because it's not all high minded, because it's not all like my shit don't stink or whatever, is a great way to approach the stuff and think about the shit. So yeah, I mean, I could, there's more, but y'all gotta stop me. <laughs> y'all gotta stop me. Well, you got nothing to say. No, I just was thinking, I've just been listening to you and thinking about what you said. I mean, this is, well, one, really informed, but also you've given me a lot to think about with your take on the album. And so for me, when I'm listening to Conscious Rap, mm -hmm. I, I hear what you're saying about feeling, even though they're addressing real things, feeling the disconnect. It doesn't feel grounded and rooted in, in the realness of what the black community for me faces. And I feel that on this. And, and I'm thinking about you saying about them sort of being from the streets and being from the bottom. So for me, it's like, well, they had nothing to lose. So they were just putting the shit all out there as opposed to these other people that you previously mentioned. So I just think that's really interesting, but I really feel that when I listen to this album, it feels really authentic. Mm -hmm. in its approach and and i definitely don't want to like disparage some of the people i named at all or whatever like you know like i think right. my favorite so-called conscious rapper maybe the person who kind of even coined it for rappers is krs1 and he's a big ball of contradiction right mm -hmm. um but i look at conscious hip-hop and art not as something they're not it's not screeds it's not dogma it's to me an entry point and hopefully if you have good critical thinking faculties and research faculties and really a supportive community that'll help you develop your views, you can, you know, develop those views and move past what, you know, somebody name dropped in a song. I don't think the whole onus to get people to a level of awareness should be on no damn rapper because they people like us, okay. they fuck ups like us, they make mistakes like us. Right. Boom. Here's, a, here's another thing. They grew up in all the same shit that has informed us with the, with the isms. Right. So like how we expect them to be better than us, like they're going to be mm. um, sexist. Sometimes they're going to be homophobic. Sometimes they're going to be anti-black, even if they're a pro-black rapper will be anti-black. Sometimes all these all these things occur. And I say like, yo, whatever you get from the music, as long as it pushes you in the right direction or pushes you in the direction where you're like challenging what you believe and you're seeing what really makes sense, then I think it's all good. Um, but like, like going back to this record, I, I do want to mention a couple things. Like there's the song Hell Yeah and the Hell Yeah remix, right? Mm -hmm. And 
when I think about disagreeing with rappers, I disagreed with Stick at the time because his verse on there is like, if you yo, first off, let me just dial it back. Hell yeah. If you can find the video for Hell Yeah, you should see it. The extended video. It was a wild video when it first came out. It's a video that you could only see in a couple places. This is pre-YouTube because this is like 04 and shit. Um, but it was a video in which like there's a white family and they're driving around Florida and they get off the beaten path while they're like going around Disneyland or some shit. And then they run and they get in, end up in a hood where it's like, you know, Florida hood niggas with like, you know, the, the kind of bongo dreads and all this other shit and they get carjacked and then their video camera gets stolen. And then the, the, the whole video is from the point of the point of view of the video camera. And it shows them committing credit card fraud and scamming, scamming the, um, the welfare office, robbing a pizza boy, all this shit. Right. And I remember back in the time I was like, yo, man. This song is ill because it's really like, yo, fuck the system. Like we are in survival mode and this is what we're going to do because we're in survival mode. And maybe some of the people that you look at as like bloodthirsty criminals who are irredeemable are really just people who are victims of their circumstance and who are performing mm -hmm. system behavior, right? Which is mm -hmm. a concept I just got kind of familiar with where it's like, if there's a system that creates all these circumstances around you, you are going to behave in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, oh yeah, maybe you should do a fucking credit card scam. Fuck this shit. These people are insured, right? These credit card motherfuckers scam us all day. I'm like, yo, government ain't giving motherfuckers rep um, reparations. Maybe you should be a welfare queen. Fuck these niggas. Like, like that was in my head. My point of contention with, with Stick, I was like, oh yeah, I robbed the white boy in the first verse. I'm like, if he's a pizza man, he's probably a fucking working class person too. It's not like you're getting back at a Trump family member or anything like that. And I still hold to that. <laughs> not like I'm like, yeah, you know, defend white pizza boys everywhere. But I do think like a class consciousness is, is important. But I also see the other side of it. He's like, I'm, I'm painting a picture of, of people who are, who live by candlelight, cannot eat. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And they, and they didn't rob him out of malice. They didn't, they didn't injure him. They took his pizzas. And I'm like, I, I, I kind of see it. Like, you know, like the circumstance will create the violence. And I think they were good at painting that picture. The second thing I say on that song is about the remix, which is hilarious because it's, it's Jay, um, who was also a person from the bottom, Jay-Z. Um, and it's like this kind of like socialism, neoliberalism collapse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it was interesting because one of the reasons Jay did it was because he wanted to show that one, he was down with the cause in quotation marks, you know, that kind of being the cause of, of black people, but also showing that divisions between conscious and capitalist, I guess, or jiggy or whatever the fuck you want to call it, were artificial in a lot of ways. And I do respect that. And I do respect him for talking about his perspective on hustling even if i don't agree with the politic of it mm -hmm. and i think for dead press they don't fuck with the politic of it either but it's still like yeah you know like a jay-z fucking feature on a song is still a big deal you know what i'm saying um and also maybe this is a vehicle to get the message that they're coming with to more people than not you feel me so those are two th two songs that come to mind mm -hmm. 
I feel kind of quiet in this conversation. I'm We're gonna sorry. Be no, I'm no, sorry. No, no. I gotta cut you off, yo. No, no, you don't. Don't be sorry. This is great. I think I said you know, we talked about Dead Prez with Reef the Lost Cause. One of our, or it might have been our first year of the podcast, very early on. Yeah. And our experience hosting guests, and what I told Reef then was, Dead Prez has always been a group that I kind of haven't spent much time with, sort of intentionally. It always felt like it wasn't a conversation for me. Like it, it was a conversation mm-hmm. for uh, for people of color, and I was cool with that. It was fine. I'm glad that it's been a part of Dead Prez has been a part of our show because in listening to it, I've realized there's a lot for me to learn. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about context tonight. I think Let's Get Free is a very educational record. They spent a lot of time yes. like dropping knowledge and, and talking about history and highlighting systems. And, and mm-hmm. there's a lot to learn on that record. This record for me is more about movement. Like we've educated you. Now let's get out in the streets. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, I don't I don't really remember listening to this record, but I think at the time I had some difficulty understanding what they were trying to do, like mm-hmm. trying to find a way to integrate the sort of street uh, ethics or ethos with their their form of revolution felt a little confusing to me at the time. The Jay-Z feature felt a little confusing to me at the time. But after listening to it again, preparing for this, I actually was like, this this makes a lot of sense. Like, I actually really respect the way that they tried to sort of break down, break break out of boxes when it comes to genres or or subgenres or whatever you want to call boxes we place rappers in, and also kind of get their message out to a wider range of folks. Um, but as you're saying, especially at the street level, like it's you, you, I can listen to this record and just actually imagine them in real life, like pulling up to some corner and talking to whoever's out there. Um, yeah. That's yeah. how this record feels. Uh, to, to another thing I want to mention is like, you know, I think class plays a very huge outsized role in how we understand leftist movements. And I think that's a bad thing. And I say that because often it's a class of folks who are, you know, middle class, upper middle class, educated, bourgeois, whatever, who are articulating these ideas. And I think just by nature that they kind of crop out the perspective and the needs and wants, desires of the people they're speaking for, right? Mm -hmm. And I say this to say, like, there's a lot of people who talk revolutionary shit, but, you know, like, shout out Angela Davis, but she'll tell you George Jackson was the one. Mm. right that's a nigga who was in jail right you know what i'm saying like and i'm i think and i think what i fuck with about this record is that yes the first record was definitely like yo mad topical they schools police state (laughs) you know this record to me felt more like soundtrack to your experience and within it is insight like w4 I, I definitely think people should, should tap into that song and listen to it. It's, it's um, a mellow song, but it's a bad. And if you've ever worked any type of job that was menial, if you were fucking essential worker, if somebody called you an essential worker, that fucking record is for you mm-hmm. right now. Because mm-hmm. it talks about your experience and feeling like you're giving up all this labor in life and not getting much back in return. And I think that relatability is what makes this record such a good record. Oh, no.
says it but when they're talking about not even be able to buy a hamburger with the wages that they're paid there you go i was yeah. like mm-hmm. i mean that shit is too real yeah. it's too real yeah there's another line in that song uh i can't also can't remember who says it but you said what if i have to mop the floors i'm gonna take as long as i want <laughs> yep yeah, I'm gonna break yeah. It, and I'm gonna break the dishes too. Yeah, hell yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. Don't put me on yeah. dishes. I'm breaking the dishes and taking all day long yeah. in my kitchen. Cause yo, yeah. for real, fuck them. Like, yeah. like that's mm-hmm. what I think. I think. I think we definitely live in an era where I think the veneer of you know um one of these menial last jobs is like this is your family and they care about you and all this other shit is gone. Nah, it's like nah, they taking labor, bro. Why the fuck yeah. should I go above and beyond? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we can't even, they don't even want us to have a union. If you work at Starbucks, W4 is for you. If you work at Amazon, W4 is for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, you're speaking to the sort of timelessness uh, of, yeah. of this record and some of the issues that it addresses. Man, this was a great time to spend with mm-hmm. you. Uh, uh, great to hear from you about this record and, and about your work, your experience. I want to just end by asking you a little bit about what you're sort of tapped into now. Like what kind of music you find yourself gravitating towards? Um, as I open my Spotify um, to look at my recent listens, because I find myself very much driven or drawn to um, the things that are sketching outside the lines right now. I'm very, I'm not really fucking with a lot of pop music at all right now, just because I think, pop music is very flat and formulaic and not contoured in the way that I think is interesting. And one of my observations just about my own appreciation of music is that music gives me different perspectives and glimpses on people's lives and experiences. And that can happen with words. It can happen with melodies. It can happen with rhythms. Um, But I like my edges a little bit more jagged. I like them a little Mm -hmm. more rough. Um, because I want to feel something, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I've been gravitating a lot to, you know, a lot of regional, so-called regional rap. But like, I'll give you an example. Like, I feel like Fabio Foreign album is asked to me because they took what was cool about him and then they like ironed out all the wrinkles and made it corny, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm fucking with shit like that kid Red Veil. This is a kid named Red Veil. Mm-hmm. Yes. PG County. Yo. Yes. His record is stupid. He like 19 too. His record Yeah, so young, yeah. His record yeah. is stupid. It's mad good. Um mm-hmm. on a hip hop tip, um uh fucking with Twami, the producer from um from Mutant Academy. Mm-hmm. Um who else am I fucking with? The Quelle Chris record. Mm-hmm. I fuck mm-hmm. with Quelle Chris is an ill, like he's a to me a prophetic artist, and I think he's an artist 
with a capital A, not in the way people talk about people who just make songs. I think he's the artist who's really a fine artist. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, medium is music. What else am I listening to that is really, I'm really feeling, I'm listening to a lot of jazz, yo. I've been revisiting a lot of old Herbie Hancock records in the late 70s and mid to late 70s. Oh, yeah. Manchild, Thrust, The Prisoner, um, Mwandishi, uh, Headhunters, Crossings. I've been I've been into a lot. What else am I? I just listened to the uh, Flood record this past weekend. Uh, incredible, crazy, yeah. crazy. On a rap tip, watch out for this kid named Sideshow. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I'm pretty sure Eri's Ethiopian or Eritrean, but he's a kid from LA. I don't like to compare people, but I kind of look at him as like in the Vince Staples lane. In that he's a kid who's like a street kid. You know, like he's a kid who's done the gangbang and shit, right? But his perspective and how he talks about it, none of it is stereotypical. There's a level of depth to what he talks about. But I would check him out. He collaborates with Mike. Um, I think he has like the you know the Earl sweatshirt cosign and shit. So I fuck with that a lot. Um I'm trying to think what else I'm listening to. LaKelly 47. Mm. Um great record. I I I, I think Yo, she's such an ill talent, and I hope the fucking label does not drop the, you know, the ball on, on promoting her. <laughs> I'm listening to the smile, you know, the um that Radiohead kind of offshoot group. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking with that record. Jametta Rose has a record called Jametta Rose is a singer. You probably heard her on like anything coming out like the L.A. Underground in the 2000s, right? Yeah. You know, collab with Dilla, all those folks. She has a record called The Light Bearer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's produced by George M. Muldrow. That fucking record is pretty perfect to me. And then beyond that, go ahead. Did House Shoes have something to do with that? Not. And the latest one is called, she just put out a new, uh, The Gift he put out. Okay. That came out of Shreveport Music. Yeah, okay. The Light Bearer is from like 2014 or something like that. Okay. Um, And then I've been listening to a bunch of DJ Quake. <laughs> <laughs> Cause yo, he's Classic. an ill producer. He's like he's like like low key like prince of hip hop in that yeah. he like yeah. taught himself mad instruments and shit. Like like he he's he's a, a slept on phenomenon. Um, and I think I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. There's a lot more, but I'm gonna leave it yeah. at that. Well, that's a that's a good list. That's a good list. Yeah. Well, folks who are uh, interested in more can definitely check out Subject to Change on NTS Radio, which is the name of your. Uh, show that's uh, right that's they right. can check out your rap caveat playlist yep w-r-a-p caveats c-a-v-e-a-t um i'm probably i think i'm at like a bit over three thousand followers for it tap in if you'd like to know about new rap and hear shit from different scenes or whatever if you're curious mm-hmm. that's the word i fuck with people who are curious there you go <laughs> and what else what else uh what else do you want people to know um, so there will be a newsletter extension of rap caveat coming pretty soon. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. one thing that's kind of struck me is like, you know, people will hit me about songs on the side randomly and I end up like in these text conversations with them, giving them context for stuff and talking about why it's on there and all this other stuff. I'm like, I, I need to put this in one place where people can just access it. And I think, um, it's an opportunity to give, a bit more of my voice to the page as opposed to Twitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then beyond that, I have like, there's a 
shout out shout out to my boys um i don't want to mention it but there's a magazine project i'm working on that's coming out soon nice um well yeah well my my boy and my homegirl they don't know who they are (laughs) and we're we're working on that together it's going to be really ill um as soon as we close it (laughs) um and then shout outs to my man don will we're working on a little bit of a project together Mm. just some fun shit and yeah so last thing i'm gonna say i haven't been like writing for a specific publication since afropunk since leaving afropunk in 2020 that is because there is going to be always an input phase and an output phase the past two plus years have been an input phase and now I'm switching into the output phase to give people what I feel like is a, is a, a worthwhile contribution to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, lot to look forward to. Well, thank you again for the context that you've given us tonight and look forward to, to more of that and the, and the things that you've just mentioned. Thanks for letting me um, talk all along, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> our pleasure, our pleasure. All right, folks, this has been The Next Movement. Thanks for listening. Peace. 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 To all my heavy hustling, struggling, revolutionary, gang banging, chain ganging, tune your frequency. I refuse to be a stereotype in your box. Never want to try to be something I'm not. I'm just a nigga from the block. If you got it twisted, stay blowing on green. If you got it twisted on up, DP's giving a fuck. RBG'd up and some gangster chucks. Throw your fists up, homie, if you know what's up. All my comrades putting in soldier work. We rolling dirty with it. Fully dedicated. So real at the radio and never play it. But that's cool. The enemy's supposed to hate it. Freedom ain't gonna come till we regulate them. That's why I'm in the dojo. Not just for the video. Really, though, we really got beef with the bobo. Never know when they gonna put you in a chokehold. This is for you new niggas holding for Turn off the radio. Turn off that bullshit. Turn off the radio. Turn off that bullshit. Turn off the radio. Turn off that bullshit. Turn off the radio.